This is The Blood Doctor Show. On a Sunday night, and it is what can only be described as an incredibly fucking exciting Sunday night. A night in which I get to tell a bunch of people to go fuck themselves. I get to tell a bunch of other people I told you so. And I get to look myself in the mirror and say, you know what's up. Because as we move from Sunday to Monday, depending on what time zone you're in, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have defeated the New Orleans Saints to move on to the NFC Championship. And sure, other things occurred. Other football games were played. Other statistical events were relevant, but anyone who knows me and knows what I care about knows that the one thing that I gave a shit about this weekend was what the Bucks were going to do, and they did the job. Now moving on to face the Packers, who defeated the Rams in a game that was quite embarrassing for the Rams, but still very funny for me because I was the person who had no belief in the Rams this season, so despite the fact that I thought the Rams were garbage, and they ended up proving me wrong. They ended up sort of playing like garbage against the Packers, which proved me right. So hooray for me, I'm wonderful, which is of course what everyone here cares about. So, the conference championship game, the conference championship games, fuck you, I'm not sober, you know it. The conference championship games are set and it is the Chiefs facing the Bills fucking exciting as shit and also what I predicted and it is the Bucks facing the Packers which again by the way is what I predicted so if you're curious where you should go to understand what the truth of the scenario is and what you should believe in you should come right here because I've been predicting for weeks that this whole season was going to end up with a Bucks Super Bowl win over the Bills because how funny would it be if Tom Brady destroyed the lives and feelings and livelihoods and everything of those people from Buffalo. I hate Jets fans, and I will never hate Bills fans as much as I hate Jets fans, but man, it would be funny if uh, that all occurred. So anyway, this weekend was pretty good. I wanted the Rams to beat the Packers because I thought it would be interesting, but I also wanted the Rams to lose to the Packers because I wanted the long-awaited showdown between Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, and there we are. So, in terms of, like, career, Tom Brady and Drew Brees have actually never faced each other in a game that mattered in terms of, like, regular season or playoffs. Like, sure, regular season seeding and blah, 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 but there was never a playoff game or a Super Bowl game because they played in different conferences, so no playoff games, and because Drew Brees choked over and over and over and over and over and over in the playoffs, so there were no Super Bowl games. And finally, when there was an actual consequential matchup in which it was Tom Brady versus Drew Brees in a playoff game, not a regular season game, not a game that could be measured by whatever other nonsense... Drew Brees' final game, in fact. Drew Brees got sent packing. And I gotta be honest with you. Considering the fact that Drew Brees is a Donald Trump-loving douchebag who cares a lot more about the police than he does about the lives of his teammates, 
It's funny to me. And I believe that my final comment on Twitter about the game was, and I'm quoting, <clears throat> pretty sure that was the final quote that I actually had about the game because fuck Drew Brees. Like, honestly, fuck Drew Brees. Fuck anyone who supports Donald Trump. And that includes football players. And I hate this dude if he supports Donald Trump. And it's completely fine with me. And I'm glad to see him bounce from the playoffs. And I'm glad to see Tom Brady whoop his ass. And for those of you who are saying blah, blah, etc. Well, even Bill Belichick told uh, Donald Trump to go fuck himself this week. So the fact that Drew Brees continues to hang on to that anchor is... Plenty good reason to send his ass packing. So he's gone. And that's exciting for me. And the funny part is that I went and then went to listen to New Orleans Saints radio because I wanted to hear what the Saints fans had to say. And uh, the Saints fans had to say literally nothing because their local radio station wouldn't even bring up the local calls because they wanted to sit there and talk over and over in circles about how Drew Brees wasn't at fault and penalties, this, that, and the other. It's just phenomenal. This was just fantastic because as a Patriots fan, when I have to sit there and listen to bullshit about, oh, cheating, and Bill Belichick always cheats and referees this and they have play sheets and warm Gatorade and blah, 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 blah. I'm really fucking tired of hearing that bullshit. And when I don't have to hear that shit anymore and it now becomes, well, Tampa Bay, <laughs> Tampa Bay what? Beat you? Blitzed you? Played better than you? Outcoached you? There's fucking nothing anyone can say. And it is phenomenal. And I am not even going to sit here and drag on individual Saints fans because I have actually been a supporter of the Saints organization throughout the years. I like the Saints. I don't hate them. I hate Drew Brees, but I like the Saints. So good for them. Good for them. But better for Tampa Bay. And this is just proof, continued proof, that Tom Brady is the greatest of all time. And I just want to lay a couple of things to rest. Number one, the whole discussion about the system quarterback, suck a dick. Suck a dick, suck a dick, suck a dick, suck a dick. How is Tom Brady's system quarterback? He literally went to a new team with new coaches, new players, new offensive linemen, new system, and is in a conference championship in a completely different conference. So there's nothing about a system. So shut the fuck up. I don't want to hear anything about how it's all Bill Belichick. Again, new coach, new players, new team, new everything. Conference championship. So let's not hear any of that bullshit, okay? I'm sick of hearing anything that claims that Tom Brady isn't the greatest of all time because he fucking is. He's 43 years old, and he's putting up numbers that other dudes could literally never put up. There are dudes that have come in and out of the league and never even accomplished half of what he does. One of those guys is his offensive fucking coordinator. I love Byron Leftwich. I used to play with him on Madden. That was like 15 years ago. Now he's a coach on the sidelines. And he's coaching the dude who's still out there playing. Tom Brady is Bruce Willis and Unbreakable. Minus the bullshit part in glass where he gets drowned in the end. 
because Don Brady can't be destroyed by water. That just reinvigorates him to ruin you. And sometimes I wonder if that's what's going on here is everyone has conspired to find a way to defeat Tom Brady. Well, if you come with a four-man blitz and you're able to get pressure from the front seven and you're able to get pressure from the front four, you can defeat Tom Brady. How is that going now? That was the book for what? Like the 2011 Super Bowl? When the Giants won? What are the Giants doing lately? Silence! What are all the Giants coaches doing lately? <laughs> so, all of the bullshit about whatever, let's be very clear. You might beat Tom Brady in a game. You might out-scheme Tom Brady's coaches for a day. You might achieve a victory. And that's fine. Over a career that has spanned multiple decades, that's part of the game. But I can guarantee you one thing. Long after that victory occurs, you will be somewhere else at a Division three school or at ESPN or some other place. And Tom Brady will be competing for a Super Bowl. And that's the fucking point. No matter how many times you might say, oh, this is going to be the end. Or no matter how many times you might say, oh, the coaching situation is different or the skilled players aren't the same or the offensive line is different or the defense is this. No matter how many times you say these things, it simply doesn't matter. It is a privilege to watch this man prove you wrong over and over. And that's the scenario that I find myself in every year is that I'm literally sitting here arguing with people who believe that despite the fact that I have like 15 years of evidence on my side that... It just isn't going to go that way. Everyone wants to talk shit, and that's fine. Because I've said it here, and I'll say it again. The Bills are going to make the Super Bowl, and they will beat the Chiefs. And there will be a person there waiting to destroy their season. And you know his fucking name. It might as well be Heisenberg. So anyway, aside from worshiping how phenomenal Tom Brady was yet again in the Bucks defeating the Saints, and I mean, let's just be honest. If you were betting on the Saints to beat Tom Brady three times in one season, I'm not really sure what world you lived in, but that's fine. You made the choice. It's over. So aside from that, the Browns and the Chiefs played a, played a phenomenal game. How about Chad Henney, the man who was last relevant in like a 2007 Michigan game, essentially, finding a way to get the Chiefs to win when Patrick Mahomes was in the concussion tent. Who knows what's going to happen with Pat Mahomes? We wish the best for him. I don't ever wish injuries for anyone, but your star quarterback going into concussion protocol is never good for a team going into championship week, so it's certainly worth monitoring for the Chiefs, but nonetheless, I will hope for the best. I want to beat you at your absolute tops. I never want to beat you when your best player is out. So 
let's hope for Pat Mahomes making it and playing in the AFC title game and potentially the Super Bowl. Although I don't think he's going to be there. I've been saying the Bills have beat the Chiefs for a while now. I don't think that's going to change. And uh, it has nothing to do with Pat Mahomes potentially being hurt this week. So that's just what that situation is. The uh, the one thing that's crazy, Drew Brees riding off into the sunset again. Bye. I don't care. Like, why am I supposed to care? Like, here's my thing. Like, if a dude is a bad person and he's out here, like, ignoring Black Lives Matter and making statements that make it seem like he's not progressive and all this shit. Like, why am I supposed to care? I'm not a Saints fan, especially. If I was a Saints fan, maybe I would have some sort of thing to say. And maybe I would sit here and be like, oh, well, Drew Brees, blah, 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 meant this to me. But, like, as just a person who's a football fan, Drew Brees means nothing to me. And his inability to recognize in fucking 2020 and now 2021 that his dumbass back the blue agenda has nothing to do with what's actually going on in the real world. Well, this is hard for me to give a shit about him retiring. Like, you know, I see a lot of people trying to make it like a big deal, but let's be really clear. Drew Brees has no fucking business even being discussed in the all-time greats discussion. Okay, and neither does Aaron Rodgers. Let's be really clear who the all-time greats are. Number one is Tom Brady. Tom Brady. Tom Brady. Tom Brady. Okay, there's no other discussion for who number one is. Other people who can be discussed near that area, Joe Montana, Peyton Manning, Johnny Unitas, there are guys. But when I sit here and have to listen to Drew Brees, who has one Super Bowl win, be compared to Tom Brady, it's bullshit. It's ludicrous. It's nonsense. Same thing for Aaron Rodgers. It's bullshit. It's ludicrous. It's nonsense. And I'm not one of these people who's going to sit here and say that rings matter above all else and nothing else matters. Because as we all know, all of these sports are team sports. All of these games are team games. You're going to have years where you're the man and all the people around you aren't. I understand that. But... You can't fucking honestly look me in the eye and tell me that a guy who has six Super Bowl rings is the same as a guy who has one. I don't care what the roster was. I don't care who the coaches were. The level of variance and the level of talent disparity from year to year in the NFL means that a person who was able to win six fucking Super Bowls is above question, is above reproach. And sure, we might want to sit there and say the same thing for Bill Belichick as the coach of those teams. But let's be clear, that man was never on the field. And he never made the defining play. And if you look at six Super Bowls and add 40 different defining plays and 35 different guys made those plays, I would understand the arguments. But for all of the Patriots dynasties, Tom Brady was at the center of literally every fucking defining play on those teams. And now he's doing the exact same goddamn thing for Tampa Bay. And some of you have the audacity to try to tell me that Drew Brees, 
who is now riding off into the sunset as a loser yet again, is on the same level. Go fuck yourself. Go fuck your ideas. Go fuck your thoughts. If you think that Drew Brees is even on the same plane as Tom Brady, even in the same galaxy as Tom Brady, even in the same universe as Tom Brady, then you don't have a fucking clue what you're talking about. It's literally not even something that we need to have a debate about or a discussion on or a conversation or, uh, well, there's one thing. to There's nothing. There are legends and then there are good players. There are phenomenal next level performers and then there are really good guys. There are heroes. And then there are quarterbacks. You fucking know who I'm talking about for both of those categories in each of those scenarios. And it's not even a discussion. And that's what this all boils down to. The Chargers had to get away from Drew Brees. And then he responded by having some of the best years of his career and winning one Super Bowl. Well, Lottie frickin' da. Tom Brady won six Super Bowls with one team and is now on the brink of carrying another team to a Super Bowl. And whether or not he wins, if you can't honestly see the difference in these things, if you can't honestly register and recognize where we actually are in terms of one person being phenomenal and another person being above average, then I don't really have a lot to say to you. And I don't really know how many more times I have to have this discussion, but I'll have it today and I'll have it tomorrow for goddamn sure for 24 fucking hours on loop because Tom Brady just took every turnover and put it in the end zone and he took every ball that needed to be a first down and created a first down. There's just a goddamn difference between being good, being great, and being legendary. On display today. Aside from all of that, I think that Bill's Chiefs was probably one of the most predictable championship game outcomes because... There's really no question that those two were the most complete teams in the AFC. I know that a lot of people like the Steelers and a lot of people like the Ravens, but as I said on this show many times, I never really believed in the Ravens. I never really believed in the Steelers. Even when the Steelers were undefeated, I just didn't really think a lot of either of those teams. And, you know, here we are. Now, again, it boils down to the four teams, Chiefs, Bills, Bucks, Packers, and again, this is probably one of the more predictable conference championships foursomes that we've seen in a while, but it's just got to be impressive to everyone that as Pat Mahomes continues to be good and Josh Allen rises and Aaron Rodgers hangs on to whatever, there's Tom Brady. Let's not forget that Aaron Rodgers has one Super Bowl win. Pat Mahomes has one Super Bowl win. 
Tom Brady has six. So for all of this best quarterback in the league, whatever, let's really remember who it actually is still to this day. And maybe someone will dethrone him. We never know what may occur in the future, but let's be very real about where we are right now. In terms of head coaching hires and other NFL news in general, a few things come to mind. Number one, it's fucking hilarious that the Jaguars hired Urban Meyer. Just just think about this for a minute. Like, Urban Meyer has spent almost all of his career as a coach or head coach in college football. So he has never spent a serious time building an NFL team in any way. And his primary skill has always been, even in college football, or as it's always been recruiting. He's never been a world-beating offensive or defensive mind. Sure, he's had some spread offensive ideas and this, that, and the other, but nobody has ever been like, well, Urban Meyer is bringing the next level of quality plays to football. That's literally never occurred. And now the Jaguars want to basically give this man all the power. So... Urban Meyer has one true, pure, identifiable quality as the football guy, and that's recruiting. And that quality does not apply to pro football. And the Jags want to give Urban Meyer not only control of everything, but they want to draft Trevor Lawrence. And they want to give a guy who has no clue how to build a team around Trevor Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence. Fantastic. 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 This is the kind of bullshit that goes on in the NFL. I want to be really clear about something. Eric Bieniemy has been designing an offense for years now that no one in the NFL has been able to figure out. The Chiefs are routinely the best offense in the NFL. They can't be stopped ever by anyone, and somehow this guy can't get a job. Racism. Racism, 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 racism. Urban Meyer gets a job at Florida, one of the best jobs in the country. Urban Meyer gets a job at Ohio, one of the best jobs in the country. And then somehow... Because he's recruiting from a place that already has a built-in recruiting base, he's respected as the best coach ever. And then somehow, Eric Bieniemy, who's actually the offensive coordinator of a fucking Super Bowl-winning team, can't get a job. What? So dudes who actually have success in the NFL mean less than dudes who did something in college? What are you, drunk? What world are we living in? Is it 1995? I thought we were over the idea that collegiate dudes could just come into the pro system and run everything they wanted to do. I thought we were past that idea. And somehow the Jags want to do this again. Miserable fucking failure. Write it down. Write it down, chalk it up, put it on the board, remember it, paste it up, because that's what's going to happen with Jacksonville. Now, of course, you might be saying, oh, 
You're saying that Jacksonville's going to be a miserable fucking failure? What, a walk on the plank you're taking? And that's true. But when you have an owner who knows what a garbage organization they are and he continues to put people in place to create a garbage organization, it's pretty fucking embarrassing. By the way, that's the same organization that trashed Leonard Fournette, who's now playing in the NFC Championship. That's the same organization that trashed Jalen Ramsey, who kept the the Rams in the game against the Packers. Like, not that Jalen Ramsey played phenomenally or anything like that, but it's very clear when you look at all of the players that left the Jaguars and you look at the 1-15 Jaguars, like, give me a fucking break. The organization's a joke. And now they want to give that organization to a dude who has no experience in pro football simply because his name means something on the SEC on CBS Saturdays. This is a fucking joke. It's always a joke. And it's going to be a disaster. And, you know, quite frankly, I'm fucking fine with it. Let everything that goes well in Florida football be related to Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Bucks. And then two other things. Number one. Robert Sala hired by the head coach, or excuse me, as head coach of the Jets. Fuck yeah. Good. Adam Gay's gone. Hire a person who actually knows what he's doing. That's fantastic. I'm disappointed because the Jets made a good decision. The Jets making a good decision means the life of a Patriots fan going forward could be slightly more difficult. So I'm disappointed from that perspective that, you know, for the first time in... um, Five, six, seven, uh, ten, fifteen, twenty. The first time in any years I've ever known the Jets actually made a good decision. So good for them. And then Deshaun Watson. So I came here on my own podcast and I said that we should listen to the local guys. And I said that even though local guys have been proven to be wrong, we should listen to them because they know their team's better. Well, let's look at the details of what I said. I said that John Gambadoro and Phoenix knew the Suns better than anyone, but also in terms of a little clerical mistake, he said this, the Cardinals would never trade Josh Rosen, and then they did and drafted Kyler Murray. Well... All the Texans writers said there was no scenario in which they would trade Deshaun Watson, and I backed them up. And, uh, pretty clear the Texans are going to trade Deshaun Watson, which is fucked up because if you just signed this man to an extension, which you did, why would you trade him? Oh, that's right. Because you run your organization like such a fucking joke that he won't even take a snap for you. So I just want to be really clear real quick. Cal McNair, owner of the Texans, who has just watched James Harden force his way out of town, who has just watched the Houston Astros be accused of of cheating. So everything is broken for the other two major sports teams in town. So he has the potential to make Houston, the Texans, the best team in the league. 
in the city. He has the opportunity to make Houston a Texan city, is what I'm saying. And given what we know about football's ability to stranglehold the ratings, it's very possible, it's very likely. So they signed Deshaun Watson to an extension. Everything's going well. And then what happens? Deshaun Watson asked for input. And they're like, no. Nah. Fuck Deshaun Watson. That's basically how the Texans have operated. And now he wants to trade. (laughs) The Bill Belichick tree of executives and coaches is a disaster. And now it's taking down Houston. And I don't enjoy it. I have a lot of Houston fan friends. I want them to do better. But I just don't know what to do when Deshaun Watson goes to his owner and says, I want to have input. I want to participate in all this. And the owner says, absolutely, Deshaun. You will have input. You will participate. And then they do the exact opposite of what Deshaun wants. How is that a thing? He didn't want Jack Easterby to keep his job. He didn't want Nick Casario to be the GM. And regardless of whatever head coaching decision they make. He wanted Eric Bieniemy. It's not going to happen. And it's just, it's embarrassing. It's depressing. It's sad. And the Texans organization, I came on here and said they should not trade Deshaun Watson. You've got him signed in. Keep him locked in. He's too good. You can't do it. They won't. Blah, blah. I said all that. And it just, you're a joke. You're a joke organization. Because only joke organizations have to trade players that are locked into four-year contracts. And that's what the Texans have to do. Because they are a joke. Could have hired Eric Bieniemy. Could have made some simple moves. Could have kept Deshaun Watson happy. You could have not fucking traded DeAndre Hopkins. So many simple goddamn things that they chose not to do. And now, eh, it's where you're at. Oh, well. You made your bed. Now you will lie in it. And uh, quite frankly, side note, I really hope Texans have to lie in their bed watching Deshaun Watson throw touchdowns for the Patriots. Because I think the one last really phenomenal thing that could occur, the Jets have the the best trade package because we know the Jags are going to trade take Trevor Lawrence. So the Jets, everyone knows the Jets can offer the number two pick and a bunch of other firsts. It's very clear. The Jets can offer the best package. And the absolute best fuck you to the rest of the world and the absolute proof that this team is not operating in any sort of good faith, intelligent arrangement would be trading Deshaun Watson to the Patriots because Nick Casario still loves Bill Belichick. And I'm not saying that's going to happen, but 
I can promise you that if the former team chaplain of the Patriots and the former right-hand man of Bill Belichick trade the franchise player of the Texans to the Patriots because said franchise player hates those two, well, even I'll tell all of you that we as Patriots fans should go fuck ourselves because that's some bullshit. Absolute bullshit. Essentially, at this point, what I'm saying is Tom Brady rules. And also, Tom Brady rules. <clears throat> I've been yelling at various different games all weekend, of course, from my team to gambling. So right now I'm speaking in terms of like a, I don't know, like, like this sounds like some sort of mystery jazz show or something. I don't know. So we'll just go with that. This is the mystery jazz NBA hour, baby. <laughs> I'm so wasted and so thrilled about the box game. Anyway, moving to the NBA. There's a couple of things I wanted to talk about. One thing that happened last week that bugged me that maybe now has been talked about to death. I don't really know. But one thing that really was uncool was that Jackie McMullen, who has been a Celtics and NBA writer for a long time, who has a relationship with a lot of NBA players, was talking about a conversation that she had with Kyrie Irving in which Kyrie Irving essentially said to her, we are not owned by these people. She said, you know, just because a team pays us a contract does not mean that they own us. And, you know, I'm still a man. I can do what I want to do. And Jackie McMullen in this podcast on the Ryan Rosillo podcast after the James Harden trade, if you want to know the context of this, after James Harden was traded, Ryan Rosillo did a podcast with Bill Simmons and Jack McMullen. And Jackie told the story and she said, Kyrie said, we're not owned you know, no one owns me. So blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, you are, dude. You are owned. That's why these people pay you hundreds of millions of dollars, blah, 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 blah. And Jackie McMullen very clearly couldn't understand the optics of an old white woman telling a young black man that she is owned, that he is owned by an NBA team. She couldn't understand the optics of why that looks disgusting why that sounds disgusting why that's ridiculous and it ultimately boils down to the way that you know old school people look at the game because if you listen to this jackie mcmullen bill simmons ryan Rosillo podcast if you listen to this you probably would feel like it was 1995 because it's just a bunch of it's three old white people bitching about how, well, the players have too much control and they can just do this and do this. So what, man? So what? And Jackie McMullen was claiming that Kyrie was, you know, originally lamenting that NBA players should be able to play wherever they want because the draft is ridiculous, is what Kyrie was saying, is there should be no draft. NBA players should just be able to play wherever they want. 
And that's never occurred because everyone has thought, well, all of the best players will go to the coasts. Well, you know, there's still only a 15-player roster. You still have a salary cap. Like, it doesn't work that way. It's not baseball. So there is, there are certain things built in to prevent that. But also, Kyrie's right. Sports drafts are wrong. Like, just honestly, think about this for a moment. Consider what a sports draft means. You are 18, 19, 20 years old, and you are drafted by a team. And then because of a slotting system, you are contractually obligated to play for that team and live in that city for like almost a decade. If you even want to compete in the league that you participate in. It's pretty ludicrous. And I understand all of the arguments for it. We need to make sure that we protect small market teams. We need to this, that, and the other. But let's be very clear about what's actually going on here. When we talk about protecting small market teams, we're actually talking about protecting billionaires who don't want to spend money. We're talking about protecting guys who have tons of money and don't want to spend it. Because if we're concerned about small markets, why don't we actually look at the small markets and ask them why they aren't spending money? Because the owners of these teams are not poor. No one owns an NBA team and also has a whole lot of bills to pay and lives check to check and is just like the rest of us driving through at McDonald's. I mean, come on. Let's be very clear about what's going on here. We're going out of our way to defend billionaires, as we obviously should not be. No one should go out of their way to protect these people. It's very clear. So, if you can't build a team through logic, negotiation, trades, and simply convincing players that you're going to build a championship team, maybe you shouldn't be in control of a team. Let's, like, be really clear. Let's be focused. Like, just for, for a moment, look at the draft. Has the draft ever actually guaranteed anyone a championship? Like, let's say that you tank. Number one, tanking doesn't actually guarantee you a number one pick in any sport. No matter what the scenario is, there are coin flips and, you know, strength of schedule. There's all sorts of, you know, you can't guarantee yourself the top pick. But let's say that you do get it. Do you always make the right choice? Do you always land a generational player? No. And that's what it ultimately boils down to, is that no matter what occurs, none of this shit is guaranteed. Nothing that you do in any draft is for sure. So why don't we just do away with all of that bullshit and focus on hiring the best people to build the best team and run the best organization. Like, okay, yeah, we're in the Midwest. But if your team in the Midwest has the best staff of people and the best player development group, it won't matter. Like, for all of the hubbub about, well, every single player in the world will want to play in New York and LA, guess what? 18-year-olds really don't give a shit about New York and L.A. Because for what you and I talk about on NBA Twitter, there's not actually a lot of 18-year-olds that know about the Knicks 1973 championship. And there's actually not a lot of young kids that know about 
the 1980s Showtime Lakers. So actually, in terms of who the great teams are, they don't really think about that. They think of Shaq and Kobe. Shaq also played for the Magic and the Heat. Kobe only played for the Lakers, fine, but they think of Michael Jordan. They think of, I mean, the Spurs with Tim Duncan, Kawhi Leonard, the, the Golden State Warriors with Steph Curry, like, all the people that we think of are gone. And that's how it goes. Things fade over time. So for all of the consternation about, well, if you got rid of the draft, people would feel this. No one fucking cares. The best thing that we can do is build the best world that we can for our players. And that is what Kyrie was ultimately saying, is that it is wrong for a player to be drafted to its city and a team that ultimately doesn't intend to use that player in the best way for him. Because think about this for a moment. Let's say that I'm the number one overall player and the worst team comes to me and they say, hey man, we're going to hand you the keys to the franchise. You're it. You're A. You're option 1A. You're option 1A, 1B, 1C. You're the man. If you say you want this for breakfast, you got it. You get a housing stipend. You get this, that, and the other. You're interested. And then let's say the team on the coast comes to you and says, hey, man, you're option 1D. You're going to learn from this dude who's 30. If you fuck up, we bench you. Those things matter. Those discussions matter. And... When you're building a team, how you view a player and how you intend to use that player matters. And what the draft does is it allows teams to take a guy and pigeonhole him into a position that he is not suited for. You might find a guy who is very well suited to run pick and rolls and play defense and say, hey, you're going to stand in the corner and shoot threes. You might find a guy who has elite athleticism and is a tremendous finisher in the pick and roll and say, hey, you're only going to play defense. And you might be hearing me say this and say, well, no, a team would never do that. They do it all the fucking time. So what we learn from recruiting is that you can tell a guy, going back to the Urban Meyer thing, you can tell a guy, hey, I'm going to use you in this way, and they might choose your team based on that. And it's sort of the same thing in free agency. So why isn't that applied to guys coming out of college? Just honestly, like, why, why do we just honestly, like, just think about this for a minute. Why do we give the absolute worst organization the best prospects? I'm not saying that the champions should get the best prospects, but why are we rewarding sucking? Why do we reward being terrible at your job? Because that's ultimately what we do in sports. It's like, oh, you were literally the worst team ever? <laughs> Congratulations. Here's a next level prospect. How does that make sense? This is why I have always advocated for tournaments. You don't make the playoffs, but you were close. 
You deserve to be entered into a tournament for the number one overall pick. Let's get those top picks onto teams that are close. That's what you should be doing. You should be mixing talent onto teams that are almost there. That's the way you mix in. And that's the thing that that's that's going on with the NBA is everything that, that, that the NBA does is broken. The way they function is broken. Number one, we need two more teams. Let's get the expansion teams in there. We've been discussing it. They want their franchise fees. Let's do it. Let's get the number. Let's get the two more teams in there. Number two, every single NBA player should threaten to retire because there should literally be no hedge fund billionaires involved in the NBA. You have nothing to do with basketball. You don't know basketball. You didn't play basketball. You don't know shit. No more hedge fund billionaires in basketball because here's a fun little secret. If every single NBA player threatened to retire, if LeBron James and Anthony Davis and Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic and Joel Embiid, etc., etc., if all these guys threatened to retire, well, you would see renegotiations occur real quick. And we really don't need hedge fund billionaires in this league. Get them the fuck out. Within the next 10 years, we need to make sure that there are no more owners in the NBA. No more owners. The concept and phrase of owners must be removed. Managing partners should be installed. And in fact, instead of managing partners, I'm going to tell you who should be installed. Franchise players. We look at sports teams and we say, I'm rooting for laundry. I'm rooting for this player as he goes from this team to blah, blah, blah. There are so many different scenarios. I have been lambasted. I am a person who, I love Tom Brady at Michigan. Then Tom Brady went to New England and he replaced my favorite player. He took over for Drew Bledsoe. So a person who I loved became my enemy. And this was like a really difficult time for me. I couldn't figure this all out. Part of it was, obviously, Drew Bledsoe was hurt. Tom Brady was playing for him, so there was nothing that could be dealt with that. But my college hero was taking over from my professional childhood hero, and I couldn't deal. Then Tom Brady won a Super Bowl. I was still frustrated. And you just you go back and forth with all these things, and then Bill Belichick decided to trade Drew Bledsoe, and I was upset, and we kept Tom Brady, and well, guess what? I was wrong in that scenario. Obviously, because the legend of all legends was kept by the New England Patriots. But when I was a kid, and I had to watch my childhood college hero replace my pro hero, I was all kinds of confused, and it messed me up, and it was weird. And it's a fun anecdote for now that ultimately resulted in me being obsessed with Tom Brady. But the point is that if you're a fan of a sports franchise, regardless of whether you love the organizational philosophy, you think the owners know what they're doing, you love the team, you're always susceptible to the big change, right? The sudden shift in philosophy. And it hurts all of us. 
And maybe the only team in professional sports that's not susceptible to that is the Packers. Not because they're owned by fans. Let's be real clear. All these people were like, I'm a Packers shareholder. <laughs> no, you're not. Packers shareholders, you don't, you don't have voting rights. It means nothing. Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. But the fact that you own a little bit of the Packers means that they can't suddenly change every single thing that they do. There are reasons to support that. The point is, when you support a team, unfortunately, in the majority of scenarios, you are forced to root for laundry. You are reduced to being a fan of the colors of your organization. Now, in certain scenarios, that's fine. If I'm watching the World Cup and I'm rooting for my country, that's fine, right? doesn't really matter. That's sort of the point. But when I am watching my professional sports team and year to year, I am being reduced to rooting for laundry. I am being reduced to rooting for the colors that I love because of the geographic location. These things start to be meaningless. And so this is what I'm saying. Number one, no more owners, no more owners, no more owners, no more owners. Managing partners are fine, owners are out. The whole concept of ownership in sports is completely wrong because it's rooted in an era, in a time that I don't even need to explain these things to you. So no more, no more owners in sports at all. Next. Let's get rid of the max contract. Okay. Now, I know a lot of people... Let's just dive right into it. We're going to go through this quickly. Number one. In the NBA, we have a salary cap. You know what a salary cap is. The NBA is the only sport on top of the salary cap having a max contract. Meaning, there is an absolute maximum that players can earn. So baseball has no salary cap and no max contract, but they have a luxury tax. So you can pay anyone any, anything you want, but you might have to pay an expensive tax. Football has a salary cap, but no max contract. So again, you can pay anything anyone you want within the salary cap, but you got to fill out a roster. Basketball has a rigid contract structure that involves a maximum amount being paid to players specifically designed to pay more to guys from their home cities. But like, how does that make any fucking sense? Just get rid of it. Imagine an NBA where you kept a salary cap. So it's 150 million, but you got rid of the max. That's how you create parity. Because let's say that certain players want to go to the Lakers. Okay. But let's say they're offered $100 million by X Midwestern team. And you might say, well, they wouldn't blah, blah, blah. If 
these teams had the ability to offer unlimited amounts of money to players, even within a salary cap, without the structure of a max, it would create parity. The mid-level players might get squeezed out, for sure. Because the maximum salary creates an artificially high negotiating point for mid-level players. I understand all of that. But LeBron James should not make less money because he's moved teams. LeBron James should make all the money. He should make more money than any player in the league. And if he made $120 million of $150 million salary cap, there'd be no room for Anthony Davis. And that would change the way that the structure of basketball works. And it would create more parity and it would create all of these great players having their own teams. And that's what we ultimately hope for. And I'm not, I have no issue with the way the Lakers are constructed. I don't care with, I don't care about the clutch. I don't care about any of that. I just think that if you really wanted to create parity, removing the max contract is truly the answer because Within the salary cap, you could pay any player anything you wanted. And sure, maybe you'd be able to get guys to take pay cuts here and there. But it'd be really hard to get guys to take pay cuts when another team was offering them two to three times the money. And that's really where the scenario comes in. And finally, why... Do we not have controlling governorship or, again, controlling partnership of these NBA teams? Why is it not a player? Why is the franchise player not a literal thing? Why why don't we have a five-year term of franchise players? If LeBron is the franchise player of a team, why isn't he able to control what goes on? From coaching to drafting to the way that we do fan nights. Like, why do players have less control than people who have no knowledge? There need to be scenarios in which a player is designated as a franchise player of a team. And by the way, designated as franchise player means all the other players on the team vote for him. And he makes those those choices. The general manager of a team should probably be the best player on a team. Or should be appointed and voted on by the best player on the team. We might all agree that players are not always the best, you know, talent evaluators. And that you can't do multiple jobs at once. But... The argument that LeBron has made through multiple media members is that he is actually the MVP of all these years where he's not MVP because he's the real coach and he's the real GM and he's the real owner and he's this, that, and the other. If these things are true, why don't we have a player who is elected as the leader of an organization and then all things can stem from there? And we should, because ultimately, people who don't play basketball or aren't involved in basketball, and I'm not talking about coaches, I'm talking about billionaires. I'm talking about owners. 
I'm talking about people who invest. You have no business in the league. And ultimately, those people who participate in that shouldn't be there. So from now on, we need to excise anyone who's invested in the league. And we need to replace them with players who have spent years in the league. You shouldn't be able to be a chairman of a team without having spent X amount of time as a player. And we'll create scenarios in which teams are able to vote on their direction. Because if you're a fan and you're a player and everyone as a fan and a player is on the same page as an organization, that takes everything to a next level. And if the person making the choices about the organization from trades to graphics is someone who's actually playing on a day-to-day basis, then we're going to remove these scenarios which make players feel like assets. And we're going to change the game and we're going to make it a player-controlled game and we're going to make it... Fans will be fans of teams again and not just laundry. And that is the Blood Doctor Show. Championship Sunday coming soon. And I want to be biased and bandwagoning and very clear. I want Tom Brady and the Bucks to win the Super Bowl. Go Tom, go Bucks.